Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Android Central podcast. We're so sorry we weren't there last week, but we are back for another episode. My name is Shruti Shaker. I'm a writer here at Android Central, and today I have some lovely gentlemen with me, Jerry Hildenbrand. Hello, good sir. Howdy. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing real good. <laughs> <laughs> I've also got Nick Sutrick, who's also a writer. Hi, Nick. Hey, hey. Wait, so, I'm, I'm lovely and Nick's just a writer. I, let's, let's carry that on. No, I was just going to say. It's, it's a good theme. It's I'm, a good I'm, theme. I, I was just going to say, I, I miss, I love having Nick on, like, doing the podcast with Nick. I miss him. And for some reason, I thought he was off again today and tomorrow. And he corrected me and said that he's not. So I'm happy you're here, Nick. <laughs> he's just not going to do anything. See, so see, high Jerry, five. High five, I Nick. just I just work here occasionally, Jerry. You're the real yeah. personality. <laughs> I, I work here occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And I've got, of course, Andrew Myrick, who is also, of course, a writer. Hi, Andrew. Hi. I'm also very happy you're on the podcast again. I've missed having you on. Don't lie. I keep I'm, telling you that. Stop lying. I'm, I'm not lying. You're crazy, man. Okay. Uh, I have, as I say in every episode, a million things I want to talk about. Um, I'm, ex- I'm actually exceptionally excited about today's episode because we've got some really fun topics. Uh, I'm not super excited about the first topic, but I, I figure we really should be talking about it because everyone and their mom are talking about it. And that's, of course, what's going on with Twitter and Elon Musk. I, I, Musk, I, we really, though? <laughs> I, I protested, protested this topic. <laughs> I, we I, all did. We all said all, no. You all did. Okay, I know. But listen, give me give me like two minutes to talk about this, and then we can talk about the other cool stuff that we have. Okay, okay let, me, let me break out my stopwatch. All right. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Two minutes. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> One minute 50. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> Okay, so uh, in all seriousness, I mean, I think uh, this is, um, I mean, it's an interesting topic, uh, n- not necessarily from the perspective of who's purchasing it. I mean, obviously that that plays a big role in all of this. Uh, but what we do know is that Elon has offered to purchase Twitter for uh, f- uh, over $40 billion or 40 million, is a billion or million? I can't even remember at this point. Anyways, uh, $54.20 per share. Um, you know, Twitter has enact or it was going to enact the poison pill. Anyways, you can read all about that. But what I do want to, what I wanted to talk about specifically was some of these potential changes that um, Musk seems to think he should do uh, should he become the owner of Twitter. And uh, one of the examples that he gave during a TED talk in Vancouver, um, I believe it was last week or the week before, um, basically he said that he wanted to open the source code uh, and allow everyone to monitor and moderate uh, the platform. I, I, I think there was some interesting conversations around this in the sense that that would be, you know, a good idea because then it would allow everyone to see who's saying what and the source of information and moderate content. Um, but then, you know, other people were suggesting that this might not necessarily prove to be very effective. Anyways, I, 
I thought that part was interesting and I wanted to bring that up to you guys because you guys are my my lovely smart nerds who know everything about source code and all of that stuff and kind of wanted to throw that out. Do you guys think that's a good idea? Well, I'll tell you what. The source code for Android is out there. Go build a phone. If you can build a phone, you can understand how Twitter works. <laughs> if you can't do one, source code doesn't matter to to people on Twitter. It matters to people that will have a big mouth and say something about it and not know what they're talking about. Elon Musk is an idiot. I'm done. <laughs> uh, Nick and Andrew, do you have any thoughts on this? Meh. <laughs> if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Oh, my gosh. I oh, there, that's, that that's the best one right there. <laughs> if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a Tesla. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, uh, I guess I just exhausted my entire no, conversation. It, it, it's it's the, you know what's interesting to me about it. Mm-hmm. The dude is obviously an intelligent person, at least as far as business sense goes. I'm starting to b- believe he's not as bright of an engineer as everybody thought he was, but he he's not an idiot. Why mm-hmm. does he act like an idiot? Maybe he wants people to not really know what his next move is and that maybe sort of... i just don't know what his maybe he doesn't know are. what his next move is so he just he, he, he comes he up with like ideas at the, in the middle of the night and just runs with it he acts like he knows what he's talking about <laughs> right and and i think that persona has gotten him where he is right so he just why not keep going with it right i mean clearly it's worth like I, how much I, money he's worth <laughs> i guess but He's he's a genius and he tries so hard to act like he's not. Yeah, he does. He does do that. And I think that's very frustrating. Uh, There was another uh, point that I thought was interesting, too. Um, And I don't agree with this. I I really do not like it because I already know Facebook to be a very toxic place. It's, um, you know, there's a lot of hate speech on it, cyberbullying, anti-Semitic comments. And he made a statement basically saying that if if someone writes something that you don't like, it should stay on Twitter. It shouldn't be allowed to be deleted. I agree with that. I I don't I don't know if I agree with that. People I, I, should not be allowed to hide who they are. No, but but I think that was one of the biggest issues with Twitter to begin with, where there was just a lot of you know right wingers, people who were really racist, making some blatantly offensive statements that shouldn't be made <laughs> like read uh, okay the room. right and but but then next week they can erase all those and pretend like that's not who they are anymore yeah that okay that's a fair point to make i think and and i mean that's probably why i'm i'm, I'm against the edit button because i don't think oh people, hell yeah i don't think people should have the opportunity to edit things that they've said in the past um they can well they, so the edit button, what I've seen put forth is, you know, if somebody edits it, you can click on it and see the original. And a lot of a lot of other chat platforms do that, too. I think Discord does that. I'm pretty sure Slack does that. I mean, I, I can't remember which ones, but I know I've seen that before where you edit a message and you can always click view original. Why? Well, you know, everybody screams about an edit button because of the typos they write. God <laughs> damn it. You're not writing the Declaration of Independence. Nobody cares if you made a typo. Don't worry about it. Just listen. There's a lot of Nazis on Twitter. The grammar Nazis are the okay ones. <laughs> no, they're the worst. <laughs> oh my ones. God, I'm sorry. <laughs> you are the worst. At least you just came out and said it. Everybody's already <laughs> thinking it, anyways. 
Use proper grammar. Get rid of that text speech crap. <laughs> well, I mean, I I can see your point there, but what do you guys have seen the way I write? I can't make a sentence without writing a typo when I'm just chatting because I don't look at what I'm typing. I just type and hit enter. And I don't care. You know what I mean. And to me, social media is the same way. If I'm talking to somebody, I don't care if they spelled a word wrong. I really just don't care. And if you do care, I, I wish you wouldn't because nobody that's worth a damn is going to look down on you for it. But you demanding an edit button so you can fix that is only going to lead to people who say things and then go back and edit them so it, it can look like they said something different. Yeah, but they, if they do implement the the way that other platforms have the edit button, then I think that that's fine. Like in yeah, terms of edit, I don't know about like the whole deleting stuff. I don't. I've never. I haven't formulated an actual opinion about that. But in terms of the edit, like if you go back and edit it, if you can view the original tweet, then I think that would be fine. Just make it so you can't screenshot it, like your bank app. Mm, because that's what will happen is people will screenshot it and then you can't go back and look at what they originally said. Mm. Anyway, Twitter's just a toxic mess anyway. I hate the damn place. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that that's all I really wanted to talk to you guys about uh, because, <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I think it's an interesting time for this platform. Um, and I, I, I guess the story is still going to be unfolding. We don't know what's going to happen, but yeah, I think I just I just think it's it's very interesting and fascinating in terms of what Musk wants to do and um and how it's un, it's it's unfolding in the world. But uh let's move on to to another topic which um I feel like Nick you're going to be talking the most in this in this point. <laughs> but uh Jerry, yes. let's go take a nap real quick. <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, See, we're, so, we're just we're just going around. Uh, we're gonna each talk about a topic that only one of us cares about. Yeah, it's true. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I'm just kidding. Uh, but on Thursday, I want to say Thursday. No, Wednesday. On Wednesday, yesterday, we are recording this on Thursday. Uh, on Wednesday, uh, Meta had its games showcase, the Meta Games Showcase, uh, formerly known as the Oculus Games Showcase. Um, you know, as uh, Michael wrote in his roundup of, of games that were released and announced, it's, quote, a destination event for VR fans. Uh, now, if you all remember, a couple of weeks ago, we kind of talked about the most anticipated tr uh, titles that were going to come out of course, this now we know what they are. And uh, to sum it up, as Michael writes, uh, to sum it up in, in to sum up the event in two words, we'd go with sequels and finally. Uh, so uh, obviously, Nick, I want you to talk about this because you did uh, watch the Meta Games Showcase. Was it in in the VR world or was it just streamed? <laughs> Um, they did have it on their Oculus TV app, which I don't know what they're going to change the name of that to eventually, but something with meta in it, I'm sure. But, um, yeah, you could watch it on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook live, whatever. Um, and effectively this was sort of a, like Nintendo, um, or PlayStation type of show where they're showing things that are coming out this year. They're not really showing stuff coming out next year. I think Nintendo has taken a bit of a break from that recently, but this one was all stuff coming out mostly like summer and then after that, with the exception of uh, Resident Evil 4 Mercenaries. Um, so that was available as soon as the show ended, which, you know, means now. And that was sort of a long-awaited um, expansion 
that is free for anybody who bought Resident Evil 4 on the Quest. And that was one of those things that people loved back when the game first came out on the GameCube. And um, yeah, it's, they just they did a really bang up job at that port. Um, following that, we have a whole bunch of other things we've been looking forward to. Uh, Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. We got Chapter 2 coming out this year. That was one that was teased a while back, and we got our first look at the gameplay this time. It looks like, you know, basically they're going to do like another 20-hour campaign. You're going to have a whole bunch of other side quests and stuff you can do. And they they seem to emphasize uh, like personal choice in the game being an even bigger thing. So, it, you know, affecting the world basically as you're going through the story. So it makes me think it'll be even more replayable than the first one. You had the NFL uh, Pro Era announcement, which was the first NFL game, not only not made by EA, but the first, you know, officially licensed NFL game for VR. Um, that looks pretty cool. You, it looks like you just play as the quarterback, I'm assuming. Um, but it, it's built by a company who is founded by um, some, I think they're ex-NFL players. I don't think they play anymore. But they definitely played at one point. <laughs> so there's there's probably a decent level of authenticity there. Um, and I know they make a lot of uh, like other simulation stuff um, for players to train on, probably in the offseason and that sort of thing. Uh, Among Us VR, that's another you know huge one that people have been waiting for. It's the actual official Among Us VR game, not what you can currently play in VR chat, which hopefully based on how you know the current Among Us game works, that means that we won't have a bunch of people screaming and doing all sorts of obnoxious stuff like you'll find oh, in you VR will. chat. <laughs> well, it, it depends on how they do it. If, if it's like Among Us is now, you can play in, uh, you know, a mode that will keep you sane, basically, and you don't have to listen to all that crap or, you know, see people typing or any of that nonsense. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. It looks... Um, a lot scarier than than I would say the current Among Us is just because you know that the I you know the subject matter of running into somebody who is an alien is trying to kill you. I don't know. <laughs> I I wish I had a a VR headset just to play that game. I think that would be really fun. I was watching TikTok. Oh, I mean, I I watch TikTok a lot, but uh, several several maybe last year I I saw a TikTok of an animator who animated a little TikTok video and it almost looked like an, uh, an an Among Us movie trailer and it just looked really cool. And I was, you know, as you were talking, I, I kind of thought about that and I was wondering, like, so would you be basically controlling a little alien or are you the alien and you're walking around and you're opening the doors and you have to kill someone? I, I am assuming it's the latter. Yeah, so from what I can tell, the gameplay is mostly the same as in the, you know, the the flat version. Okay. Um, you play as a crewmate, you walk around and you do tasks. At least one person is an imposter and is trying to kill everybody without anybody else knowing. It's Clue, basically. Yeah, yeah. There's no way that in VR you're going to be able to kill someone because the, what is it, the MSRB, whoever rates video games, that would be complete. If if you murder someone in virtual reality, you'd have to be like uh, at twenty one to to buy the game. You you're, you they can't be having kids killing people. But I I don't I wouldn't assume that this specific version would be for kids. 
it, it doesn't you shouldn't sound... have adults killing people in VR. Now, here's the interesting thing, right? So, yes, I I would say Among Us is primarily a kids game, not because it was designed for kids, but that's who the audience is. Right. right? That's what it's become. <clears throat> right. That's who. That's what it's become. Now, something that was completely absent in this trailer that Michael and I both noticed is the complete lack of killing. There is there's no knife. There's no crazy alien mouth. There's none of the other you know, little things that you can do in Among Us to to dispatch the other crewmates. There's there are only one image of a dead crewmate on the ground, which is, you know, cartoony looking. It's like a little ham bone well, sticking out of see that the feet. Fade to black <laughs> and then you see the, the ham bone. Yeah, I, most likely they're going to do something like that that is, you know, content friendly in, oh, in some way. Just, but we I'm have sorry. not I seen think, what they're doing. Yet. I think I'm I'm a little morbid because I would want to kill people. <laughs> Well, and like I said, Jesus, so, so never currently Among Us has, we'll call them modes, right? Where you can you can toggle and you could say, look, I don't want to hear anybody. I don't want to see people typing. Yeah. I only want to be with people that are playing like this. I imagine they're probably going to do the same thing in this. You could mm. probably turn on the whole thing or you could turn it all off. Mm. Fair enough. I, I just, I remember the outrage from Nintendo and hardcore Nintendo fans when uh, Skyrim came to the Switch. <laughs> because you can cut people's heads off. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Skyrim VR, it was, I mean, it was a Steam VR game, so it it just wasn't very popular. It didn't, I don't know, can you play that on the Quest now? Uh, but Not like, it's not a native Quest yeah, game. I mean, and, you but can, when it came out, yeah. VR wasn't a thing, so nobody really cared. But now VR is popular, and I just don't. I don't see first person murder as a, a good thing for VR. It's probably not, but I would uh, it would be Yeah, fun. you'd love to do it. That would, that says no, more I about would. you. It than... does. It does because one of <laughs> like I mean, listen, I love um I mean, Nick knows this and actually Andrew as well. And you too, Jerry. Uh obviously Zelda is like my all-time favorite game, but um when I played Ghost of Tsushima, like one of my favorite things to do was go in stealth mode and just assassinate every, <laughs> everyone. It was, it was really thrilling. I just, I, okay. Anyways, uh, I have notes in my thing. <laughs> I have no idea what it is, but I'm going to assume Nick knows what we're talking about. So, uh, it's continuation of the meta games, obviously, but hand tracking 2.0 and the quest pro could get a major upgrade. Nick, what what are you talking about here? <laughs> All right, so explain to us, please. That's fine. So the hand tracking 2.0 thing was the day before the showcase. Um, basically, Meta has used machine learning to significantly improve hand tracking on the Quest 2. That's coming out with the version 39 firmware. Some people already have that. Some don't. It's one of those, you know, uh, what what is that term when Google rolls out firmware over like two weeks or rolls out an update over a month? A troll out. Yes, there you go. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, it's that. So you'll get it at some point. Um, there are a handful of games that support it right now. Uh, the important thing to note there is basically, you know, the Quest 2 has four cameras on the front. When it's looking at your hands, if your hands are blocking one another, it can't see your hands, right? Like, I mean, this is, this is logical stuff if you're looking at something. But they've used machine learning to to be able to tell it, oh, hey, you can see where they're moving. You know there's a hand back there. You're just waiting for it to move again. And a lot of things like that. So beforehand, with hand tracking, um, 
You just couldn't help <laughs> that yourself, was, could you? That wasn't you just, intentional. I'm sorry. You couldn't get past it. You couldn't just let it go. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So it's just way better now. You, you can actually do more natural things. You can move way more quickly. And actually in Unplugged, which is an air guitar kind of, it's like Guitar Hero, except you play air guitar. That game worked really well when it first came out. And now hand tracking is so good that they have, um, they've redone, recharted a bunch of the songs and the notes are faster. There's a lot more complicated notes, just, you know, again, stuff it couldn't do a week ago. Wow. And it's, it's really cool seeing this stuff get added with just software. <laughs> I, I have a question. You're holding a controller in your hand, correct? If you're doing hand tracking, no. Okay, that that was that was my question. Yes. You know, I I assume they already tracked the controllers. Because yeah, that, the controllers that be are a different story. Trivial. I'm just yeah, talking yeah. hands, no controllers. Okay. So cool. yeah, it's 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 nice to see that. Um, so Shruti can hold an actual butcher knife when she goes. That's and right. People when it can track her hands. <laughs> oh lordy, now, lordy! Oh my gosh, I love it. Yeah, oh now, obviously there's no feedback because you're using your hands there's no rumble or something so it it only works so far you know it feels weird to grab something your brain's telling you you're grabbing it but your hands are like nah (laughs) oh my gosh so that only works it only works for so many things but to see them improving it at all is really cool um the next thing is a quest pro rumor which we've seen a bunch of leaks lately for project cambria also probably known as the Quest Pro. The only thing we know officially is it's called Project Cambria, but we've seen them say Quest Pro in the past. Um, This one basically is that they are using a technology called T-Rex, which is short for Transparent Resolution Expander. Um, Essentially, this does a similar type of thing to what we've seen in uh, maybe like Google's, uh, when you take pictures on a Pixel, and it moves the the image sensor a little bit, and it gathers a whole bunch of data, and then assembles a cleaner image based on oh, several cool. images, right? Oh, cool, cool, um, cool, yeah. These are actually the lenses that are doing that. So the display will have a super high refresh rate, right? And then the lenses will actually shift physically every 50 nanoseconds. So oh, wow. your brain can't see it, but now... You know, your brain can't see the movement, but now your brain is seeing these extra images, so it can basically assemble a much higher resolution picture because of these lenses. Mm. All that's so, left to do is put lenses on the side, so you have a full. You know, I I don't want to say 180 degree field of view. Everybody's field of view with their own eyes is different, but we all have one. Right. You know, wiggle your fingers off to the side by your ear and. You can see something over there. That's what's missing from VR. And this, I think, is a good step towards getting there. If this turns out to be true, um, and it's the same resolution that this you know, leak is showing, it will effectively have retina resolution for VR. Um, it now, does, I, I've desperately seen, needs it. Right. But I've also seen some people say this probably won't actually happen at that resolution until 23 or 24 just because if this is going to be a mobile chipset, you know, the thing can only run so fast. But it can <laughs> right? fake it. it yeah, it, it can it fake, can it, fake but it, but it still has to be able to do that high refresh rate. And that's probably where it's going to be held up on most, not the resolution necessarily. Well, now the Quest tracks your eyes, correct? Uh, the Quest Pro will, not the current okay, one. Okay, so if it tracks your eyes, 
it only needs to have a certain portion of the image. Correct. At, very at small very, portion, right? Yeah, at, at super high refresh and crystal clear and and big, you know, a, a good resolution. The rest can just be blurry things that move. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's there's some experimentation with that on other headsets as well. Um, PSVR two is going to have that, so just not the super resolution portion. Right. right. Uh, <laughs> this actually has me interested. It just man, it's, got, you it's pretty sweet Facebook. sounding. You gotta lose Facebook. Yeah, uh, I would agree. Thing. I would agree. I know. I get it. I, I, they were well. I mean, as far as we understood, when they announced it in October, um, they were supposed to have dropped the required Facebook login by now, but it hasn't happened. Yeah. Of course, they haven't even finished the Meta rebrand, so whatever. It, Maybe it'll happen once they're done with that. Makes me feel like they're never gonna. You know that that would be a whole lot easier than. It's rebranding yeah, it an sure entire would. company, but I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> it definitely okay. would. Well, I guess we're going to have to see what happens, but right. um, let's take a really quick break and we'll be back. So stay tuned because we have a lot of really cool things that we still want to talk about. And one with respect to Carl Pay. And sadly, we don't have Derek here to talk about it, but it's okay. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back, guys. I've tried hiring people before and it's honestly such a difficult task because I never am able to find the right person. But I heard a lot about Indeed and it looks like they're probably the right place I want to go to if I'm going to try and find someone that would be the right candidate. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites, which I've done that before, hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job. God, why haven't I used Indeed sooner? Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com ACP. Offers valid through April 30th. Okay, welcome back. Uh, so I want to talk about Carl Pay, but before we get to him, I want to talk about Tim Cook. Um, Jerry, you wrote a fantastic article three days ago uh, titled Tim Cook is Right and Wrong About Side Loading. Uh, essentially at the 2022 International Associ- Association of Privacy Professionals Conference, Tim Cook got a little passionate, as you write, about what he calls the data industrial complex and one of the most essential battles we are fighting against right now. And you say what he was really talking about was sideloading apps onto the phone you paid for. You were really passionate when you were when you were talking about this. I think the the most striking thing is what and what got, you know, a lot of people to pay attention this was Tim Cook like we have never seen Tim Cook before. The man is is 
the ultimate in composure. And you can see that he was, he didn't lose that composure, but he was on the edge. He was, Tim Cook was angry. And you don't see, you know, I'm sure he gets angry behind closed doors, but this was in public. And the way he was talking, you could tell he was, he was angry. And, and what he was talking about is, eventually this will happen. Apple's going to be forced to allow third-party app stores on their phone. The, the EU, if, if no one else, the EU is going to force that to happen. And, you know, that's a good thing, I think. More competition is always good for the entire industry. But the iPhone was built and iOS was built completely the opposite way, whereas that will never happen. And that means that right now, sideloading on iOS is it would be a disaster. And he is absolutely correct. It would be a disaster as it stands today. Uh, and I go into it in my article a little bit. Android has an advantage here because you've always been able to sideload. Eventually, Google figured out that we need to protect our users that have sideloaded applications. And Google has an entire system in place that while they would like you to use their store and you're probably protected sooner if you use the play store you're protected either way against data loss and data theft okay that's i want to pause for a second why would someone want to silo something uh i'm going to give a really really horrible example but it is the perfect example about five years ago, somebody wrote a theme for Samsung phones that had a lot of Nazi imagery in it. Of course, that was kicked out of Google Play. I mean, probably within hours of it being uploaded. And most people will agree it had no business being in Google Play. Google, As far as I'm concerned, that is Google's store. They get to decide what belongs in there. They had every right to remove it. On the other hand... You remove something, you're censoring it. There's always somebody out there who wants it. Mm-hmm. Whether we agree with the the fact that they should have it or not is is that's a moot point. If they want it, they should be allowed to have it. That's why you should be able to sideload applications. Without being able to sideload an app, you are stuck with what Google thinks you should have. And while I don't think any of us here, and I'm sure that almost everyone listening does not want to put an an application that put not puts Nazi wallpapers on your galaxy S 22. And you agree with that. You know, I don't want that. I don't care about that. If somebody does want that, who is Google to say they're not allowed to have it. They paid for the phone. Right. And that's the most extreme example, but it really drives the point home that, they should be allowed to have that, whether we like it or not. Right. And I think maybe a friendlier example, too, is Fortnite, right? Well, you, yeah, you even put yes that in, no. in your article. Yes and no. Fortnite was more about a, a fight over money. But yes, yes, the same idea. If you wanted Fortnite, you were able to get Fortnite because you could sideload it on your Android phone. On the iPhone, you had to jailbreak it to get some sort of ancient beta test flight version of Fortnite once it was removed. 
Okay, now, could this also be relevant to people who don't necessarily want to use um, the pre-installed applications that phones come with, and they maybe they design their own version that's better? Um, yes. Yeah, I know, mean, th- like, there are a, 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 a bunch of different reasons that you, you might not want to depend on Google. Maybe you don't even want to depend on Google for your email or your search and you don't want that on your phone. And if you have the ability to install software that has that removed, you're able to go somewhere else and install applications that can check your email or are a search, a web search app and you sideload those. Okay. So we had a conversation about this again. I feel like it was a couple of weeks ago or I can't remember when it was, but we were talking about, you know, competition and, and, using specific apps and stuff like that. And uh, the premise of that conversation was around um, a a lawsuit um, happening with Google Maps and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, in the case of Google Maps, you know, obviously um, the point was uh, that Google wants you to use its uh, software and its tools because it delivers a better experience when you're testing it on your platform, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I'm kind of curious to know your perspective here, Jerry. Um, yeah, okay, side-loading side can pose as a a good thing for users because, you know, they can experience what they want to experience and how they want to experience it. However, and I'm going to counter this and ask you, do you also think that it could be a bad thing because it would hinder oh, the experience? Because it would hinder the experience of how the phone should be used, the design, the applications, et cetera. Absolutely. Uh, and and it, I would say nine times out of ten, it does not provide as good of an experience as a cohesive set of applications that communicate with each other from Google or Apple. That's going to be a better experience, but people are free to have a worse experience or should be if that's mm-hmm. what they choose. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but, and that's what everybody's talking about. It's you know, Google allows it and that's more personal freedom and Apple doesn't allow it and whatever. But what nobody seemed to talk about is there's another thing that you don't get even on Android when you sideload an application. And that is the protections of Google's policy with developers, uh, specifically regarding ads and data collection and retention. Uh, to get an application in, in the Play Store, you have to provide a privacy policy and you have to adhere to that privacy policy. If somebody reports you and Google sees that you're not adhering to the privacy policy you put forth to the user, you're gone. You're out. Your app is done. It is cut off, killed, and you have to change whatever Google says needs changed to get back. Uh if I opened up Jerry's app store, I could allow Nick to write an application that says we collect your location, let's say, so we can better serve you this blah, blah, blah. But what he's really doing is collecting your location so he can sell it. And, you know, if I don't care and Nick doesn't care, uh, the user doesn't know any better. The user is is at a disadvantage. That's that's a bad thing. There's those enforcements need to be in place, and some third party app stores are very diligent about 
you know, enforcing the same types of, of policies with uh, data collection, data retention, and advertisers. Uh, advertisers, anybody who's played a free mobile game on, on iOS or Android knows ads and ad services suck. Even Google's in-house ad system in applications, it sucks. Those those apps are sucking as much data about you as they can. They're often deceptive. They're misleading, and they're horrible. Imagine what that experience would be without any protections in place. That's one thing you do not get if you download an application from outside of Google Play or the App Store if and when sideloading is a thing on iOS. To me, those two things are very important. And I want everyone else to be aware of those two things, you know, even if they would prefer to get their applications somewhere else. I just like people to be aware. Data is, I'm not going to say the words data industrial complex because that just, uh, uh, you know, tinfoil hat territory. I'm sorry, Tim Cook, but, but that's a bit outside of the realm of, of sanity here. But, your data is a huge resource and Google and Amazon and partially Apple and Microsoft all make billions of dollars from your data. Don't think of it as worthless because it's not. Okay. I want to ask you one last question. Um, and this, I think will tie into our next topic. You said something at the top of your conversation that you had never seen Tim Cook be so, um, I guess, hyper or not hyper. What's the word I want to use? Like just very, uh, upset. Animated. Animated is Animated. a good word. Sure, right. sure. Yeah. Um, why did you feel that? And, and, and just in general with respect to how Tim Cook's demeanor is, um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? T Tim Cook normally is a very calm. I, I, I am not an iOS user. I, I have an iPhone here and an Apple Watch just because I need to look at them sometimes. But I watch every Apple event because I enjoy watching Tim Cook speak. He's a calming presence. That was not what I saw. He was leaned into the microphone, uh, hand motions, uh, facial expressions, just very un-Tim Cook-like whatsoever, and it was disturbing to me. He was more like Steve Jobs than he was like Tim Cook. So do we hate that he was like that? Because uh... I, I don't know. I, I didn't like it because I like the calm Tim Cook that makes me feel relaxed. Okay. And he's enough. very listenable. Okay, fair and, enough. And he, I, I, I didn't get that this time. Okay, so a, a few weeks ago, and, and the reason why I asked you this question, Jerry, is because I'm I want to pose this to the rest of the <laughs> crew. Um, a few weeks ago, Andrew, beloved Andrew who has been silent. We need to hear our voice. We miss your voice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Wake up, Andrew. <laughs> Sorry, I took a nap there. A few weeks ago, Andrew um, posed a very interesting question on the podcast, just as the pod was ending. Uh, the question of, is Carl Pay, OnePlus is Carl, Carl Pay, the new Steve Jobs? Um now, I know Andrew was asking this because of how Carl Pay is in terms of his charisma and the way he behaves. Um, maybe, Andrew, why don't, why don't you tell me your thought process behind posing that question? In the smartphone space, 
I mean, we we started off the podcast talking about Elon Musk and how much attention that he like. We have to talk about him because everybody's talking about him. But so my question a few weeks ago was, you know, how is Carl Pay the new Steve Jobs in terms of the this guy from OnePlus has garnered so much attention by starting spinning off and starting his own little brand with nothing. Like, is he? Does he have? Does he embody the same concept that Pete, like you know, Apple fans, fanboys, fangirls, fan whatever, fell in love with with Steve Jobs because he was, he he commanded his presence every time he spoke. Every time Steve Jobs opened his mouth, people listened. Whether you liked him or not, you listened. And in Carl Pay, it feels like Carl Pay is moving in that same direction. Again, Elon Musk does. Other people in the tech space do. But I was more so posing the question towards the smartphone space because. We don't have that anymore at all. You know, DJ Code takes the stage or took the stage, and now everything's still virtual or pre recorded, whatever. But we don't have that presence anymore. But it seems like Carl Pay is moving or has already moved into that. So that was just, I mean, that's just basically it. I, I definitely feel like there's something to this because if I think about the personalities that run today's tech companies, you know, like Jerry said, Tim Cook is who Tim Cook is, but I don't think people necessarily go, oh yeah, I can't, generally, I can't wait to hear Tim Cook speak and see what he's going to say it, or like what he's going to unveil. It's more like, I mean, he's there, he's a good speaker, he runs the company well, but he's not, like you said, he's not necessarily a commanding presence. Right, he's, and, he's soft-spoken. Right. He's a very different leader than than Steve Jobs was. And that's fine. You know, Apple today is very different from the Apple of 10 right. years ago. Yeah. And I think Carl Pay is a really good thing for the Android side because there hasn't been um, a personality like that since OnePlus came around. And I think the excitement around OnePlus initially was at least partially driven by, you know, what what he and the rest of that team did and how they built the company. And I think he's very good at marketing things, right? He's very good at presenting something. And if nothing, that was what Steve Jobs is good at. He was good at being a visionary and presenting his ideas, even if they weren't revolutionary ideas, even if it was just a new coat of paint on an old idea, it always came across as, oh man, that's Steve Jobs' idea, you know? And and it it almost feels that way with, with Carl Pay as well. It's like, oh, all right, this is interesting. Even if it's not really interesting, because it's coming from him, it's now interesting. <laughs> but you know, what's what what falls short in this argument is that Steve Jobs and perhaps Tim Cook as well, uh, well, let's just stick with Steve Jobs. You know, the fact that he was so commanding and had this presence... It, it built Apple. I mean, I'm not suggesting that his presence built Apple. Obviously, like there was so much more to it. But where is the disconnect here? Because if Steve Jobs was able to do that and grow Apple to where it is now, and now Tim Cook has sort of hand, you know taken that over, and it's become such a big and popular brand, why has that not been able to happen with Carl Pay? If we're suggesting that Carl Pay 
could have a similar presence to Steve Jobs, where he's a commanding individual, he is charismatic, he tweets, he connects with his audience. What happened there where he wasn't able to take the OnePlus brand and maybe now nothing to the same level as as Apple? Wait, so the, the, Carl Pay's charisma, Carl Pay is the person, Carl Pay being the CEO of nothing, is the only reason why nothing is possible. Correct. There's yeah. nobody sure. else. There's nobody else that can do what Carl Pay's done with a, with this brand, right? right. And, and, and I, I I don't think that OnePlus would have gained its traction in uh, on a global scale if it wasn't for Carl Pay. Agreed. I, I totally agree. I, I and, mean, one thing that Steve Jobs had that Carl Pay doesn't have yet, Steve Jobs always delivered. Even Ooh. like Nick said, maybe it's just a fresh coat of paint, but he got you excited about it. And in the end, it always happened. Uh, Carl Pay doesn't have that track record yet, but his competition, let's look at, you know, Sundar Pichai or Tim Cook. They do deliver, but they don't have the spark, the hype machine, spark, hype machine, <laughs> both, either, whatever, excitement. stage present, excitement. They don't have what Carl Pay has. Uh, I don't think Carl Pay will ever bring nothing or any company he heads into the realm of popularity of Apple or Google or Microsoft. Who can remember Steve Ballmer jumping up and down, developers, 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 uh, even yeah. that's gone at Microsoft. <laughs> I, I don't think that you know nothing or, or any other Carl Pay-led brand will reach those heights because... I don't think there's room for it. And I think that the big three in tech of things that you can actually touch with your fingers, which Google, Apple, Microsoft will allow another company to make that happen. That's a conversation for another time, but I don't think he can get it. He wants it. And is he capable? Maybe, but it won't happen. I just think that now, he's the close, yeah. like he's the he's the one who can get the closest. I don't think he's going to create a company that has a two hundred or you know a trillion dollar net worth. That's not we're not those days are gone for an, an up an upstart company to do that, an upstart tech company in the in this space to do that. At so least could he have done it ten years ago? I think he could have. I think so too. That's why I, part of why I pose the question. That was the question that I that I'm kind of curious to know. Could he have done it 10 years ago? And if he could have, why didn't he? Or rather, what was limiting him? Why wasn't he able to deliver? Jerry, I think you made a really good point where we see, you know, Sundar Pichai and um, Tim Cook speak. Maybe they don't necessarily have the same oomph or spark that Carl Bay has, but they always deliver what what went wrong there or what what's what what's the issue there the issue is he's 32 hey i'm 32 he's he he wasn't he, he wasn't around i mean i'm right. not saying he wasn't around but because it, it says he was a he, junior engineer somewhere yeah and then he, late at he night went to nokia in 2010 yeah. like he started from the bottom and has transformed himself in the past 10 15 Which years to this actually in in my opinion would make him a better ceo than uh, a tim cook or a sundar pachai yeah because now, he did okay. start at the bottom 
So I think something is interesting here that I'm when I think about Apple and OnePlus's companies, right? So if you think about when OnePlus started, you had that excitement factor. OnePlus really did a lot of interesting things. And then they kind of tapered off as management got messy. Carl Pay left. A lot yeah. of that stuff happened. In a way, I feel like Apple is similar, right? So Apple, you know, had had what they had in the beginning. Steve Jobs ended up getting kicked out, right? Mm-hmm. And then they tapered off as well as a company. They brought him back in to reinvent the thing. Now, I don't think OnePlus is ever going to get Carl Payback. But I think nothing could be the OnePlus revival, you know, effectively that's needed for the Android side of things to get things interesting again. Let's put this in perspective, though. OnePlus was never, uh, as far as product sales and product offerings, worth talking about. Carl yeah, Pay OnePlus was is worth always talking an enthusiast about. brand. Carl Pay made us talk about OnePlus, not the products. Do you guys think that if Carl Pay was the CEO of Google, we would see more Pixel sales? No, I just... Yes. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't know about uh, Pixel sales. Jerry can just fall asleep. Um, but, like, I, I don't know if he would garner more Pixel sales. Like, I, But I do think that if... If, if Google brought him in, even as just a face, a talking piece, a talking head for Google, it I don't know if it would translate to more sales, but it would be better, I, I, huh. I think. I, I think. I think if Carl Pei was the CEO of Google, we probably never would have had a Pixel phone, but we would have had a completely different Google ecosystem of products. Yes. That's interesting. That's actually really, really interesting that you would say that. Let Samsung make the phones and Google will make all the headphones, the speakers, the televisions, the backpacks, uh, all the things that OnePlus, hell, the cables. Everybody wanted a OnePlus cable. Yep. Uh, How do you make people want a cable? I don't know. Ask Carl Pay because he did it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay. um, Speaking of Carl Pay, of course, and, you know, OnePlus, uh, we recently um got some more rumors about the OnePlus 10 and Andrew can sort of you know attest to this cuz he he wrote a little newser this morning uh about the OnePlus 10 um essentially it was that uh the OnePlus 10 will arrive in the second half of 2022 shocking uh also the leak reveals that OnePlus is testing two different chipsets for the phone and that it's possible this could be the first flagship OnePlus um, phone to not feature an alert slider. So, uh, Andrew, why don't you tell us your thoughts on this first, and then we can sort of talk about it. Well, my thoughts are, I have no clue what OnePlus is doing. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I start the, the news piece off saying, you know, at Mobile World Congress earlier this year, uh, Pete Lau, the CEO of OnePlus, said that they're, they're done with the OnePlus 10 line. Like, it's just going to be the 10 Pro. And then... On leaks through Digit India got their hands on the specs sheet for this phone, which we kind of knew OnePlus was working on a vanilla version of the 10. Like, we didn't know. Like, I don't know any insider information, nothing like that. It just makes sense. Why would you release one phone and call it a 10, like, call it a pro, given OnePlus's track record? A OnePlus 10 makes sense. But I, I don't know what the heck they're doing anymore. The, the, apparently they're trying out two different 
they're they're testing two different versions of the phone. One's powered by an unannounced Qualcomm chipset. More than it's assumed that it's a flagship. It's also assumed that it's the Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 Plus, which hasn't obviously been announced yet. It's supposed to come later this year. And Jesus, the, what a stupid name. Uh-huh. And the other version is the is one powered by the MediaTek 9000, which is supposed to be MediaTek's, uh, or which is MediaTek's flagship processor to take on Qualcomm's stupidly named chipsets. Huh. Um, other, it's supposed to be either 8 or 12 gigs of RAM, 256 gigs of non-expandable storage, as always. A uh, 6.7-inch AMOLED panel with using LTPO 2.0, which is the same kind of, um, which allows for the variable refresh rate between, I think it's, what is it, 10 hertz or 1 hertz all the way up to 120? Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah. It's, All phones should have it. Yeah, it's in the S22 Ultra and the 10 Pro already. Uh, there's going to be a slight, compared to the 10 Pro, the camera hardware is going to be um, lowered. So... With the 10 Pro, you have 48 megapixel, 50 megapixel, 8 megapixel combo, but the t- regular 10 is said to use a 50 megapixel main for the wide angle, a 16 megapixel ultra wide, and a 2 megapixel macro sensor. So all that out of the way, it's all stuff that we expected in some way, form, or fashion. There are two things about the 10, according to this leak, that we did not really expect. The first is that uh, it's going to use a 48, that 4,800 milliamp hour cell, which doesn't really matter. Um, but it's said to reach up to 150 watt charging speeds, which would be almost double what the 10 pro can, which I thought was interesting. And it would be the first flagship, which is the important, important differentiator there. Uh, the first one plus flagship to ditch the alert slider, which has been, I think would be a mistake if they got rid of yeah, that. Yeah, that's the Huge best mistake. thing about a OnePlus phone. It, that, yes. That thing, it is phenomenal. It's so nice to use. I wish every phone in the world had an alert 100%. slider. 100%. Yeah, okay. So all of this, all of this says what's effectively wrong with OnePlus right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I want to be as like impartial as possible while also having an opinion. And I, I just... I I love I love the old OnePlus and I want it back. That's really what I'm trying to say here. And what I feel you're like saying, that what you're goes, saying is you want Carl Pay back. Yes, yes. that's basically <laughs> what I'm saying. I don't know. I just well, I can tell there is a, a loss of leadership at this company, and nobody has any yeah, idea what's going I, on. I, I think you're going a little <laughs> too far with the loss of leadership statement. We have to remember it, it, it now. It's even official. OnePlus is Oppo. Yes, but uh, I don't Oppo think Oppo has what to do with them. Oppo says, you know, okay, this phone is great. We're going to move on to the next. But if the market shows that there's room for that same phone with a little bit something different or less or something, Oppo will make it in a heartbeat and sell a gazillion of them. Okay, so here's the thing, actually, speaking of that. Uh, so uh, I believe it was last week or, yeah, uh, last week-ish, uh, I wrote an article about this very concept of, you know, why hasn't there been a OnePlus 10 phone yet? And I spoke to several analysts and, you know, there was a lot of really interesting commentary. And, and part of that was the the inexistence of this phone is, is the new direction that OnePlus is taking. And obviously, as you mentioned um, Jerry, you know, OnePlus is not OnePlus, it's Oppo. It, it, it is it, it is under the Oppo line. We know that. And this is likely the direction that, that they're taking. But in, in the article, I, I 
asked the question to my analysts. I said, you know, do customers really want a vanilla model, like a phone that's like not the pro, but, you know, is similar to the pro, but doesn't have the pro features? And almost all of them said that, yeah, because people really want a, you know, that base phone without paying for the pro premium pricing. Um, and I, I thought that was interesting, but they all collectively did say that if we were to see a a base one plus 10 model, we would have seen it by now. It would have happened. And, you know, the fact that Pete Lau actually even came out and said that there isn't a, a, a base model, like that kind of says a lot. Like, I don't, why would the CEO say that? And then we're seeing these these spec sheets and leaks and all of this come out. I I think that's because Pete Lau is more of a company man. He was, you know, that that's came down from leadership. We're not going to make a base model of this phone. That's what Pete Lau was was told. That's what Pete Lau goes with. He does not want to, you know, kick against his superiors like, you know, back to Carl Pay. Carl Pay wouldn't have come out and said, oh, we're going to make a base model if Oppo said we're not going to. But he may say, well, you never know what could happen, that kind of thing. And Pete Lau isn't that type of person. Okay, fair enough. Um, Some of my analysts have also suggested that having a OnePlus 10 model doesn't make sense because there are just so many other phones already in the OnePlus roster of phones that we we have. I mean, um, what they have, the OnePlus 9 RT, the OnePlus 10 Pro, um, they have the 9 RT 5G, the 9 Pro 5G. There's just so many phones that have been released recently that to release a OnePlus 10 just wouldn't make sense. I, I agree. Uh, if you release a base model OnePlus 10, the only thing that does is eat into OnePlus 10 Pro sales. That's all that phone will do because only people that want the OnePlus brand will buy it. And right now they have to buy the Pro if that's what they want. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I I don't know if we'll be getting this phone. I just think it's really interesting that... I, I don't think we will. I, honestly, I don't think we will either. I, I think that, you know, there are specs and renders and prototypes of all kinds of things we will never, ever see. And I think this is one of those cases. I could see yeah. them. I could see them testing out a OnePlus 10 Pro or a OnePlus 10, but it's not for the standard line. It's to see if they can, like, maybe see how Qualcomm's next gen, not next gen, but their second half 2022, sure, or you know, compares against the MediaTek chipset to see what they go the, with for their next flagship. Like the Pixel 3a strategy, they're just not going to call it the OnePlus 10a. No, it'll be, it'll they're going to call it the OnePlus, you know, yeah, OnePlus Nord 10. Yeah. Mm. Something that, like that. I, mean, that's I, I a lot of the, that. OnePlus is for me in focus nowadays, and I and I wrote a piece, frustration piece, uh, admittedly, <laughs> last week, but OnePlus cares more about the, the Nord, brand, Nord line because their margins are better, and it just, we're, if you want one plus phone to take on the S22 Ultra, you're not going to get it anymore. No, it's and not here in the States. No, you're not. Yeah. Here in the state, that's what I mean is here in the U S you're not going to get that anymore. It's just not going to happen. Because carriers want a Nord because they can sell a good phone 
to people who don't want to spend more than three or four hundred dollars on a phone. No, it's true. Good is a relative term. Hey, it's compared to some of the other stuff that that's true. Companies like LG and Motorola yeah. used to release in that price range. You're, you're right. A Nord <laughs> is a good phone. You're right. You're right. I'm just. I'm. I'm not. I'm not <laughs> salty. You're salty. <laughs> Okay, um, I want to end this podcast by talking uh, about a really fun article that Chris Waddell wrote uh, last week. Uh, he wrote, I bought a Samsung Galaxy Watch 4 again, <laughs> and I'm still not impressed. This is the, hilarious. This this article is so great. I, I love this article. If you haven't read it, please go read it. Um, I'm going to just read a really quick um, a- excerpt from the article because I think it... it, it it's just really interesting. So a uh, quick backstory. I bought the regular Galaxy Watch 4 when it first became available in 2021. However, it only took two weeks of using it to realize I had been very let down. So I returned it. Now, if we fast forward until about a month ago, I felt as though perhaps I got so hyped up at what the watch could be that there was no way it could deliver on that excitement. After some deliberation, I decided to repurchase or rather purchase a Galaxy Watch 4 Classic to give it another go. And you can tell where that article is already going. He <laughs> was disappointed. He was not happy with the, you know, the the way the hardware was. It wasn't necessarily the overall product, but more more so focused on the hardware. Um, you know, he he points about points out about the rotating bezel um and how, you know, just it wasn't good on his end. Um, and he actually says that it might be as useless as it was on the active too. So anyways, I, I think this is a great article. I think it's funny. Um, and it, but it speaks volumes to someone wanting to buy a product, return it, buy it again, and still hate it. And I think that's, that says a lot about this, this watch. Fear of missing out. <laughs> I don't think that's Chris's problem. I think Chris wants... Chris wants, in my opinion, and he's going to tell me that I'm wrong because he's a KC fan. But I think Chris <laughs> just wants Chris wants Samsung's hardware without the Tizen, the Samsungness interface, and we don't have that. We and we're we, never going to get it again. We still don't. Ever. We don't have a smartwatch, an Android smartwatch running Wear OS three, other than the Galaxy Watch four, and it's been almost a year. And I think that is, I think that is, I, I agree with Chris about the the rotating bezel because that's why I went with the classic instead of, yeah, I got my wife the regular one and I messed around with hers. I was like, no, I'm just gonna get the, get myself the classic. I don't like the whole touch crap because it never all it never works. But I think Chris is missing out on the fact that we don't have. I don't know. We don't have that yet. I think that's user error. Mine works fine. It's Chris, so who knows? <laughs> well, can love say you, Chris. He ain't here. He wrote, he wrote a newser as well uh, with respect to the Galaxy Watch, and it was uh, how some owners um, in Canada are finally receiving long-awaited health features, specifically um, activating ECG and blood pressure monitoring on the Watch Series or Watch 4. Um, the, the software update is rolling out only to Canadian Samsung Galaxy Watch 4 owners uh, ECG monitoring on the Galaxy Watch 4 is already available in the U.S., but blood pressure is still inactive. And I pinged him about this, and I said, "Would this entice you to get uh, <laughs> buy the watch again?" <laughs> um, or you know, I don't know if he actually returned the watch or not. But either way, uh, w- would this entice him to to keep that watch? And he actually said that it would. He wished. 
that um, some of these new features were coming to the watch for. But I guess that makes sense because, you know, obviously with some health health monitoring things, you have to go through the government. You have to go through, um, I guess, what are they called? Um, we're waiting on oh, for blood think pressure it. monitoring. We're waiting on FDA approval and it hasn't come yet. FDA. There we go. FDA approval. Um, but but he said that he would be happy if those came. So that's kind of interesting. Not me. I, I'm glad it's only Canada. I don't want to see any health feature improvements until you can make my watch stop bugging me that I don't walk enough. That pisses me off, Google and Samsung, and screw you. I can't walk. Stop reminding me and making me feel bad. There's no way to turn that off altogether. I thought they added that. I can hide the notification on my phone. That's, what, that's all I can do. Okay. Other than that, it always lets me know that I haven't, you know, I've only taken it. Some, it's so weird. If I turn my watch off and turn it back on, it tells me I took 88 steps. Sweet. Every single time. So I'm tempted to just do that like 15 times in a row so it stops bugging me. But it's unfair that I have a piece of tech that I actually kind of like. There's a lot of drawbacks to it, but it wants me to feel bad about myself. Google, that's oppressive. Yeah. And and actually, um, Michael Hicks wrote an article about this very is- issue, which is that, um, you know, these companies are so focused on health because that's all that yep. they can pay attention to yep. without realizing how um, this actually really affects our mental health. You know, like I know a, a number of friends who have stopped wearing their Apple watch because they, they've just gotten so obsessive with wanting to close their rings that it actually deters them from having a good mental health. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the fact that you are reminded consistently that you can't walk and that you know, the focus that these companies have is just on health is just, it's, it's unfortunate. But then uh, now uh, to be fair, I was saying that mostly tongue in cheek because the way I understand how software works, it should be a very simple toggle that can put in there that says, Hey, I'm unable to walk. Yeah, for sure. And that, that belongs in there, but it's not, it's, it's not affecting my mental health. Maybe because I'm not a normal human being. Otherwise <laughs> maybe it would be. So I, I don't want you, anyone to feel bad for me or think that guy's an idiot. Be, well, <laughs> you can think that. You're probably right. <laughs> okay. Uh, on that note, I wanted to end today's episode. Um, of course, I'm going to ask everyone something that made them happy this past week. Uh, so who wants to go first? Me. Okay, <laughs> go. <laughs> I, I had friends over at my house for the first time in God since Aww, covid that's nice and it was i mean i've had people we, we sit in the backyard six feet away from each other and and you know cook hot dogs on the grill but i actually had people over at the house we sat and i don't know it was fun it makes me feel like i missed living a life the past couple of years and it sucks it's it, it sucks i, I was I felt so good, and now I feel so bad that they're not here. Well, I'm really glad that you were able to do that because I think a lot of people have been missing out on that um, aspect. So it's really nice to hear that. And they brought party favors, which was always (laughs) excellent. Uh, Who wants to go next? I mean, mine's kind of on a similar note. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> all the all I, I say one thing and then everyone decides to talk. Okay. That's right. <laughs> Nick. <laughs> go, you Andrew. Go. You ahead. go. <laughs> no, Nick, you go. Fine, I'll go. All right. So we got to go see my mom for Easter. Uh we flew down in South Florida. It was nice weather, which, you know, I don't know. I don't usually like Florida weather, so <laughs> I was happy that that was the case. Uh, we got to go to the beach. It was a ton of fun just watching my son play in the sand and in the water. I mean, I play with him too, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I don't know. It was just vacation is a wonderful thing that we never get enough of. And I try to enjoy it every time, even if it is only like three or four days. I love that. <laughs> Andrew. Well, I'm going to keep with that vacation trend because I'm going on vacation next next week. Uh, going down to see one of my close buddies down in, in Tulsa. I've uh, never been to Oklahoma before. But more importantly, Shruthi can't bother me for four days. <laughs> so I will be <laughs> Shruthi and Derekless for almost a week. And I am ex- <laughs> that's what I'm excited about. You're going to be missing us, my friend. That's what you think. <laughs> I need a vacation. I'm going to Oklahoma with you. That's fine. Join us, Jerry. We're, we're flying out of Reagan anyways. Just meet us there. All right. <laughs> I think I'm allowed there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Well, what made me happy this week? Uh, I know I said to not make it work-related, but I'm going to break my own rule this time, and I'm going to say something that's work-related. Uh, But it's just that I'm really grateful to be working with the people that I work with. Uh, So at at, at work, I'm typically the one, you know, helping people with their articles and um, directing them and, you know, coming up with ideas when they feel lost, coming up with questions, et cetera. But um, I also write on a weekly basis and sometimes I get really stuck and it's just really, really nice to have people around you who do the same thing that you do for them. And I just want to shout out like everyone on the AC team who is just always so helpful and wonderful. And it just makes me really happy that we have such a great team of workers. Like it, no one's catty. Everyone is wonderful. And yeah, that's just, that makes me really happy knowing I work with some amazing people. So that, that I just wanted to say that. <laughs> but you said you wanted to shout out the helpful people. Too bad none of them yeah, are on. None of us are here. None of them are here. <laughs> <laughs> lies, lies, lies. You are Ouch. all helpful. <laughs> Sorry, there, Nick gets the exception here. <laughs> no, I was specifically talking about Nick. Atta but... boy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, uh, to our AC listeners, thank you so much for spending the time with us and taking your time and listening to us we're really appreciative and we'll catch you guys next week bye bye see ya adios